Movie lovers, I have actually Zach and Landon from Wildfire. They're here with me. We're going to be doing a short review of Big Trouble in Little China, and then after that, we're going to be talking about their new album that's going to be dropping pretty soon, which I'm very excited to actually have them on here. Also, too, this is actually uh, Zach's second time being on here. He was actually my first or second interview that I had whenever I was first starting off the podcast, so it's actually good to have him back. So let's go ahead. Let's do this. Right and hey guys, how you guys been doing? Hey, how's it going, John? It's going great, you? man. I'm doing great. So I just want to say it's an honor to have you guys on here. I'm a huge fan of you, uh, what you guys are doing. Of course, I love the new sound from the new mu- uh, from the new uh, song "Big Trouble." 
but yeah, I can't wait to dive into doing the interview with you guys in a few minutes and just asking you guys some questions about what inspired you with this album. Of course, I have a feeling that it's incorporated with Big Trouble uh, in Little China for some reason, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, so anyways, I'm just going to go on ahead and do my nerdum real quick. So Big Trouble in Little China, it actually stars, of course, Kurt Russell, Kim Cattrall, Dennis Dunn, and James Hong. And also, too, this also had a budget of 19 to $25 million. It made $11.1 million, which also makes it a cult classic because it didn't start resonating until like later on that this is actually everybody's favorite movie. And then people started getting the buzz of just wanting to watch this movie whenever they have a chance. So with that being said, basically, we wind up having Kurt Russell. He's a truck driver, and he's trying to drive his friend to uh, pick up his girlfriend at this airport. And then that's when they wind up running into some trouble. So, Zach, when you look at this film and also Landon, what do you think of it whenever you first start out with this? I thought it was amazing. I, I mean, it's it has it, it goes through so many things. There's like, uh, <laughs> it's in Chinatown. It's underground. There's monsters. There's uh, Japanese folklore and kung fu kung and. Fu. It's 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 got a little of everything, and it's intentionally a comedy. Comedy, thank God, because I was laughing like the whole time. Same here as well. Yeah, it's kind of like um, like the epitome of like an '80s movie. You know, like those yeah. those whether they were intentional or not throughout the entire movie. Those like those like uh, portrait shots of the faces when they're flexing, you know what I mean? It just kind of like, yeah. Just, right. uh, but it's just, yeah, it's ridiculous. But that was, that like adds to its charm. You know, it's that, that's what's so great about it. It's Kurt Russell's over the top always. And that's probably my favorite thing about him. And so I'm, that's not a knock to it at all. I, I love it. Same here as well. I mean, especially when you look at John Carpenter's movies and stuff like that, it's perfect 80s cheese, to be honest with you. Yeah. And like you said, when you have that flex going, and then, of course, this actually knows the audience that it's trying to hit, and it knows uh, it actually knows its audience. It's not a misidentification of who it's looking for, because some movies today, it's like a misidentification, and right. they want it to be something that it's not, and this one actually knows what it wants to be. And I, here's the thing. I love Kurt Russell. I thought he does a pretty good job. And then I, my favorite thing that he actually says is, you know what old Jack Burton says? What the hell? That's my, uh, that's actually. I commented on that. Yeah, I said, that's the big line. That, what the hell? One of my favorite scenes in the movie when he's he, he like grabs a pistol and he goes, bang, bang, bang. And he shoots a hole in the ceiling. <laughs> and then the block falls on him and he passes out. It's like, it's his it's his moment to be a hero, and that's that's what happens. That's what I like about it, though, is too. You have this hero who's imperfect, and he tries to play off like he's a badass, but really he's a klutz at the right. same time. So I definitely like how they play off that, and then also too, like you said, you have the kung fu fighting, you have all that stuff going on, and then I like uh, the back and forth between him and Wang. I thought that was always a good. Uh, the chemistry between them were really good. To be honest. To be honest, the story was very. Uh, it might have been a little too cheesy for my taste. Some of the plot, you know, points that are happening. True. I enjoyed the uh, 
the cinematography of it, the comedy of it, the, you know, the situational humor involved in it, uh, a lot more. And I think the story could have been better. Yeah, it could have been sharper a little bit. He's got to marry a girl with green, green eyes. Yeah. Like, uh, and then see, he, he finds two. And so they're kind of making it sound like this it's this rare thing to just happen upon a girl with green eyes. And then now there's another one. So it it's like it's kind of took the rarity away for, from it for me. We should probably start at the beginning of the movie. Though. Yeah, we can start at the beginning, man. I just like to jump around a little bit sometimes. But yeah, we could totally do that. But, you know, of course, we wind up seeing... Uh, Basically, we wind up seeing Kurt Russell. He winds up making a bet with Wang. And then, of course, he winds up having to take him over to the airport. And then that's when we run into that whole entire situation with the way it goes down. And let's talk, gonna, let's talk about how confident Wang is. He's going to yeah. cut that bottle in half. <laughs> Have you, I've never seen that before ever. So <laughs> what was he thinking? It sounds, I mean, he must have just really needed a ride to the airport. Or he was just overly confident. It's like, you know what? This guy looks like a total badass. So I'm going to try to outshine this badass and show him what I can really do, which is nothing. But I'm just still going to try and uh, outweigh him, basically, and try and me- measure him up as, in a sense. So he's overly right. confident. And then whenever he tries to break that bottle, it just goes flying. And, you know, even whenever Wayne goes on ahead and tries to pick up his girlfriend and everything, he's still confident, even though that he's actually this shy kind of person, also kind of timid, though, too. He's kind of not. And and the movie kind of shows you that the whole for a long time until until the moment where Kurt Russell's on the ground or what is it? He turns around to go find some. uh, He dropped his knife. That's what it is. He's right. going to pull it out of his boot and he slings it across the room. And and then so when he comes back, uh Wang has defeated all the rest of the henchmen. I, I don't even remember what we call them in the movie. I just call them henchmen. That that that's yeah. more <laughs> that actually makes more sense. But uh Landon, what about you though, man? What's what's some of your favorite stuff that stood out for you? Um honestly like the <laughs> the special effects. You know, some of it was like almost good, you know, but everything right. was like over the top and kind of carried that sort of like you were talking about. This movie really had like an identity and knew its audience. You know, I feel like those special effects moments kind of help sell, uh, you know, kind of what's going on in the scene and just that that style. So the Most special definitely. effects were, were, were some of my favorite favorite. And then also uh the characters the the little the floating the floating eye i can't remember oh his name yeah. that floating eye dude and then the yeah. the werewolf gorilla creature whatever <laughs> whatever that was uh, it's like all like they just stopped what they were doing to celebrate this wedding that's going to be taking place it's like okay we don't right. care about kurt russell and them coming in to trying to stop the wedding they're all there for the wedding which makes it hilarious <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh but another thing though too is oh going ahead sorry oh i was just gonna say I, I love that i you know i really felt like i was in kurt russell's shoes when he gets in chinatown through all these back alleys and then he loses his truck because that's exactly <laughs> what would happen if you where are you even at you know you you don't even know where 
you, you just you drive through all these turns in the middle of Chinatown and get deep into the heart of it, and then you have to run away and you lose your truck. That's the whole mo- the whole movie's getting his truck back. Right. That and that was the, that's the synopsis. Like that's what he really cares about in the end. Right. All he cares about is getting his truck back and everything, and that's it. He doesn't really care about anything that's going on around him up until the girl gets kidnapped, and he's like, oh, okay, so I guess I'll go on ahead and go on this side quest and and okay. get my truck back later. But uh, another thing, too, is Jack and Wang also track the Lords of Death to Chinatown, and they find the funeral procession that erupts into the battle between the Chang Sing and Wing Wong. Uh that's also yeah, an- <laughs> <the> truck. <laughs> right. And that that scene was so hilarious though, how he actually forgets where he actually parks the thing because all the alleys look the same. And yeah. then he's also blinded by that giant light that he has though too. And I like how, you know, you see Wang, he over he goes over there and just flashes water on like that's gonna help him, which is hilarious. And he goes, did that help? Yeah, it helped. I'm like, what? How did that help? That wouldn't even help me if I got blinded by that huge light, to be honest. This is about the time that I I was watching the movie and I thought, is this a Western? And so it is a Western. Mm -hmm. And we did a little bit. I did some research. I paused it and just was like curious to look up, up about the film. And it was originally written to be an 1800 set Western in San Francisco, but they right. felt like I wouldn't connect with the audience. So there was a rewrite that happened to, you know, put it more in a, in a, uh, a now time, which I guess, I guess it's not now anymore, but <laughs> in the, for the time it was, it was now so the audiences could connect with it better. But there's little things that you see all through the movie that are like, oh, that's spilling over from when it was written to be a restaurant, well, Western. Like uh, he says, reach for the sky. Aye. It's like, that sounds like it's in a Western movie. There's just, there's just so many lines like that. I think like that. Dirty oh. There was a dirty hair. Yeah, reference. he like it was towards the end. That guy, he like pulled out a you know a, a pistol, like a uh, you know a big revolver or whatever. And I think mentioned dirty yeah. hair or something. Like that. That's what makes it so hilarious, though, is because it was originally gonna make sense in this Western, you know, setting in the 1800s, and they're like, no, just let's just keep the lines the same. The whole story is the <laughs> same, but let's just do it in. In a modern day setting, instead, I actually didn't catch what is it in New York in the in this movie? It's in it's in uh, it looks like L.A. It looks like California. Okay, might might be L.A. Yeah, but oh, yeah, I just moved it from San Francisco to L.A. L.A. It was, it was, right, that's more Western, right? Right, it's it's Western. You know, it's just on the. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing that makes me laugh, though, is like uh, Landon was saying, was the whole entire thing with the Dirty Harry gu- uh, gun and stuff like that, too. That was actually pretty funny. And then, of course, you know, this is actually cheesy. I mean, whenever you look at the whole entire deal, when you see Kurt Russell said Reach for the Sky, this is actually a Kurt Russell type of film because of the fact that he can pull off that cheesiness so well, especially when he plays Snake Bliskin and everything, too. So... You have a perfect blend of Kurt Russell that can actually pull that off. Not many people can pull off um, a modern-day Western-type film mixed with uh, Chinese uh, res- right. uh, representation. 
to be honest. It's up there in my favorites, though. After having watched, after watching it, I, I think that was the first time I've ever seen it. Uh, just watching it to to talk about it with you on, on this podcast. So, and I've been a Kurt Russell fan for a long time. Um, he's in that Tarantino movie, Death Proof. I love, I love oh, that yeah. one. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's so good in that he's not good. I don't, I don't know how to put my finger on it. Is is that good acting or bad acting? It depends I, I, on how you look at it, though. I mean, with Tarantino, it could be either good or it can be bad, depending on what Tarantino is trying to do. Because Quentin Tarantino is a great director if he's writing a certain film. With Death Proof, it didn't get the much love back in 07. I remember when it first came out and stuff like that. But if you look at it now in its context, it's basically kind of like this film. Where it's over-the-top cheesiness for the modern-day era of 2007. This is actually the modern-day era of 1986. I feel like they're like kind of related yeah. films a lot. I, it'd be cool. I kind of wish his name was uh, the same, you know, in Death, Death Proof so that it was a sequel. <laughs> that <would laughs> That'd be, be great. <laughs> um, but they are the most sim- – like that – they are very similar films. I can't think of any other anything else that stands with them the same, you know, in, in, in exactly how they're cheesy and and over the top and uh, and and great because of all of these choices, you know. Exactly, and then also too, we also have when Wang takes Jack to the restaurant where he meets with Gracie her, and her journalist friend Margot. Wang's friend Eddie Lee and magician Egg Shin, a local authority on the uh, mysticism and low pan. Right. And that's when they explain to Jack about who, who only wants his truck. Well, I have that in parentheses because of the fact of my notes, but basically only wants his truck back and he's on the payphone the whole entire time. He goes, hey, this is so-and-so. Oh, hi, nice to meet you. Look, I need my truck back and everything. Um, Is it still under insurance? Look, you need to go in and check this thing out because I don't want to be responsible for losing my truck. So, right. uh, so I thought that was actually pretty cool. But even that Chinese restaurant scene, though, where he's actually at, looks like a country-western kind of atmosphere, though, in a sense, because the way it is actually designed. Yeah. It, it, it's like a live action uh, double dragon or something. Yeah, of, exactly. It, it reminds me of, of all that, you know, 80s video game era, but live action comedy ridiculousness. Exactly. I thought I was the only one who was thinking double dragon whenever I was. Uh, yeah, I was actually. Do- Here's the thing I saw this movie maybe four or five times in my life. But this time I really sat there. I'm like, you know what? This is actually closest to the Double Dragon that you can get before the Double Dragon movie actually came out. And right. I remember the there's this other basically on the NES. There's like these they're basically blockheads if you think about it. And they're and you're fighting on top of a truck. You're doing all this stuff, and it reminds you so much of Double Dragon and st- the way they're doing doing things. Uh, like, like I told you, though, remember I said I paused it and did some research on the movie yeah. a couple of times because our, our friend Daniel, uh, who helped shoot the Big Trouble music video, he he commented and said, did they like get the ideas for this from uh, from Mortal Kombat, some of the characters? 
And what we found out was, no, it's the other way around. Mortal Kombat is drawing influence from the movie. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and also, got, I went down like a Mortal Kombat <laughs> hole and found out that the whole concept of Mortal Kombat was originally based on Jean-Claude Van Damme. And the character <laughs> they had, they had, a, and so, and one of the Mortal Kombat characters is based on Jean-Claude Van Damme. One of them is Bruce Willis. Mm-hmm. There was, there was a, I can't remember the other ones off the top of my head. Yeah. But, there was but it was like a cross between Bruce Willis, pretty much 80s uh, superstars at that time, 80s actors. Exactly. So, but I never, I never made the connection, which makes the game even more interesting. And the movie, like, too. And the movie, yeah. It's like, these, wait, they should have just got the characters they were based off of. Six of them were based on real people. Yeah. But I don't think right. a single one of them. No. But, you know, there's actually a Netflix documentary with uh, about video games and stuff, and I remember hearing about that from Mortal Kombat. Oh, high yeah, High Score was the bi- biography that I watched, the documentary, which I thought was really fascinating with that. Um, oh, okay. I ate that up. <laughs> I'm a huge documentary fan when it comes down to certain things. Um, but then, of course, we wind up, after we wind up having that happen, then the Chinese brought uh, the group and everything too to Jack and Wang track down the front business use low pan and and pretty much infiltrate uh telephone repairman to gain access but are quickly subdued by rain after being tied up and beaten by thunder the two meet low pan however he now appears to be crippled and crippled old man right i and i remember thinking that's the same guy what, what were you thinking which part when when he when after he is low pan and then you see him as an old man in a wheelchair, same character. Oh, is that where they do that transition where he's yeah. like the older guy and his younger self? Yeah. Well, no, it's 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 like maybe you missed that part of the movie. Maybe I did. <laughs> no, he's the same person in the same timeline. He's just like he when he becomes magic, he's. Young. Is that maybe I missed it? Maybe I'm confused. Well, I kind of fit. I, I kind of picked up on Shang Tsung pretty much with the shape shifting stuff with him. Well, because, because yeah, because Lo Pan's get, trying to get married so that he can become a solid human, a solid, right. human a solid human. But but I thought the old man was him. Yeah, the old man is him. So how oh, okay. is he not a human? Why does, why does he need to sacrifice? Into, why does he need to marry? I didn't even Mary catch this part until just now. Why does he need to marry a green-eyed girl to become a human if he appears that he already is when he's that maybe, old man? Uh, maybe uh, his shape-shifting can only allow him so many hours or something, maybe, to the point where... <laughs> I, I, I guess, I guess <laughs> that Lopan himself can become... Because uh, he doesn't have the same powers in the old man body, right? So I, I think that's right. what it must be. Is that is that yeah? So if he marries the green eyed girl, he can be low be low pan with the powers and everything in a in human form, right? But okay, I had to work that out live. Real fast. <laughs> I'm like, it's okay. I'm glad you worked through it, man. That's why I'm here. <laughs> but you know, this movie is. Uh, it makes you think, though, because there are certain things within this film that makes you think 
and a certain aspect to it behind the cheesiness of it because you're you're questioning certain motives within this film though too because like you i was like okay what is wait why is he old and then can be transformed back into being young again i'm like this does not make sense on what they're doing but we're so invested into the plot into uh jack that we don't care and we're just sucked into the action part of it. Yeah, I'm just waiting on Jack's next line. He had every line was the one yeah, line. Yeah, yeah. Every line of the I, whole movie was like a quote. Yeah. I was born ready. <laughs> I was born ready. <laughs> but then there's also this other one too, though. Just remember what old Jack uh, does when earthquakes and the uh, poison arrows falls from the sky and the pillar of heaven will shake. Yeah, Jack Burton just looks that big up a big old storm right square in the eye and says, give me the best shot, pal. I can take it. (laughs) (laughs) His voice is so commanding too, you know? Right? He's so serious with it. Like he doesn't laugh. (laughs) He's, he's got a lot of tact. I'll say. Definitely. Or bearing. Sorry. He's got a lot of bearing to be able to, uh, to pull off this shit without without laughing, I mean, I couldn't I couldn't have done that. I think you did a great job. It was it was it was funny and awkward at times, but it wasn't to me. It never particularly felt like too. It was definitely over the top, but not too too far over the top as far as uh, Kurt Russell's dialogue, right? In the, in the movie. No, because even in Roddy Piper's movie, They Live, there was some cheesiness to it, but even those one-liners were great, but they're, beneath the surface of that cheese, there's a whole new level with They Live. Because that was during the Reagan years, and during the Reagan years, you actually had uh, John Carpenter that had some beef with Reagan. So you had some serious moments of the film within itself behind everything. So with this, it's the same kind of thing, where you know you can laugh and you can also be on this adventure with Kurt Russell, but also too, you can also be invested into the action, the romance of it, and also too with everything else going on in it to where you can actually take the movie maybe a little bit serious, but not enough to actually go on. So that's where that's what I think too. Overall, uh, what do you guys think? Ten out of something. <laughs> ten I like it. <laughs> yeah, we're good. I think uh you were, you kind of mentioned some of the romantic aspects of it, and Crazy you know, like they're like in that spillway or sewage way, you know, going through the water, and they like pop up, and he like kisses her so like passionately, <laughs> and then at the end of the movie, she's like, "You're not even going to kiss her goodbye," and he's just like, "No," and just like walks off. It was so, <laughs> funny. Was so funny. well. It, to be fair, these were all just the things he was doing to get his, get truck, his truck back. back. Yeah, right. So. Now that he got his truck back, that's it. He doesn't need the girl no more. <laughs> but what makes me laugh, though, is you're in this sewage area, and he has a knife in his uh, in his mouth. I'm like, dude, what are you? <laughs> oh, uh, uh, I like the I love the part when he when he had the what was that guy. The guy comes at him with a sword and he uses one foot to, oh, kick, yeah, out, the boot to kick out his boot knife and the guy just dies on his knife. And then he's <laughs> stuck. He said, what is that? Oh, shit. <laughs> the guy's just dead on top of him on his boot 
on his boot knife. And he's like, oh shit, I, you know, I can't get him off of me. It was, you had to be there. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, this this film is actually fun. I, this, I didn't know this was your first time watching this film, though. That's that's interesting. I I'm pretty sure I've never never seen it before. Yeah. What about um, for you, Lynn? So, yeah. Oh. So that would go to, that would go to segue into uh, I didn't write the song based okay. on the movie. Okay. Uh, actually, though I I wish I would have. Uh, maybe I would have put some like some of those one liners in there somewhere. <laughs> you know. <laughs> What would have been a good one for this? Uh, I, I can see you going. Uh, yeah, that's my. I think my favorite line in the whole movie. Uh, so okay, so my question is this: when you with this album, what makes this one stand out from the other album that you had out? Well, so at the moment, we are not actually putting out an album. We are, okay. We're changing our format. Uh, we don't want our fans to wait as long in between releases. So instead of putting a big collection that arguably always gets a little rushed as you know, cause we're trying to do 10 or 15 or 16 songs. It's, you know, so what, what we find is that we don't put as much attention into all the songs. And so what we want to do instead, we, we've changed our format. We're going to, we're going to do one song at a time. And after that, we're going to shoot a music video we're going to create the artwork. We're going to put it online as a single. We're going to sell the t-shirt that goes with it. And we're going to let it breathe for a few months. And we're going to do playthroughs and lyric videos sometimes and, and other content, you know, behind the scenes footage of that single and all everything that went into the making of that. And then uh, about three months later, we will start the whole process over, uh, you know, promoting another new single. And it does mean that we're going to put out, you know, a a few songs a year for right now and but you know we're fully independent artists and it's very it's difficult for us to come up with you know the money for the budget and the marketing and and one thing we've done uh, is we've invested a lot of our time and money into camera equipment which we were talking about that before we went on air when we had to swap to our stream cam because our gigantic production is not working today <laughs> but uh yeah we're learning it we're working the bugs out of it and uh yeah so that's that's the whole deal right now is there it will be on a record as a collection eventually but that record may not be out for a couple of years while we continue to pump singles out from it you know ultimately until it's released every song's a single now there are no more filler tracks we've that's changed. true We've That's changed, very true. You know, think yeah, things have changed. So, uh, and how you promote everything has changed. We we don't make uh, records as much, you know, anymore. We I still sell them at shows because <clears throat> you know it's like a souvenir. It's a souvenir is what it is. A, a, a fan can get one and get an autograph, take it home, put it on their wall, listen to it. You know, at uh, not as high of quality as you can on YouTube and Spotify because we can get twenty four bit there. So you're really losing in a lot of ways. <laughs> Listening on CD, you yeah. You like to add, sorry. Yeah, uh, I just think that with this type of approach, it really allows us to give a song um, a lot of time. You know, because like you mentioned before, with 
uh, shooting photography and, and shooting the media stuff and, and the music videos. It really, really gives us a time to really dive into the song. Um, you know, storyboarding for music videos. It's, it's, uh, we get to getting a lot into other uh, creative outlets uh, going this route and giving a song three or four months before we um, get ready to release another one. So, and we miss like out that on idea. opportunities. We marketing, we need to put it out and just this is our whole focus, not an album. One song, one video. I want you to be invested to want to see the behind the scenes reels, the the 10 second clips that we're going to start pumping out, you know, showing from a camera and what, you know, seeing the behind the scenes of it all being made in a theater downtown Mobile, Alabama, <laughs> or, or, or the things that are shot and done in my basement here. I have a basement. <laughs> <laughs> But you know what, though? I like the idea of you guys just doing one single and letting it breathe because it gets a chance for people to let it marinate a little bit and let yeah. it uh, season a little and to the point where they can actually analyze the lyrics. They can actually memorize the lyrics if they want to sing out with your songs and everything in concert and things like that, too. And, you know, I like the fact that you can actually have a little bit of a breather for a change instead of having to feel the pressure of, oh, my God, I got to come up with. 10 songs and then having to market the 10 songs and then rush that out onto digital media for other people to go ahead and do that. And then they're not even fully invested into the album or anything because they might end up skipping a track because right. they already heard the track already. So like, okay, well, why do I need to go on ahead and hear the single when I already heard the single? So I'm going to go ahead and check out the rest of the track. Track exactly. listings. Exactly. And so we, we just, we limit this and it helps us in a lot of ways. We are always pulling one new song into our live show and one old song out. And so that's the new, it's, it's a consistent thing. You know, pe people talk about the album cycle. It's like a two to three year cycle where you make a record and then you put it out and you promote it and you go on tour. And then, you know, all that takes all this time, rinse, repeat. And we're saying, well, we're going to, we want to tour and play shows and get back at that. But at the same time, you know, we want this always on our radar. There's some, there's something new. Cause if you think about it like this, would you rather your, your one of your favorite bands or any band, would you rather than put out an eight song record every two years or just give you a song every quarter, every I'd rather quarter. every quarter, like clockwork, you, you get right. used to it and, you, and then you jam that one until you wear it out. Now I got you a new one. And then, right. And that, and then, you know, depending on how much you love it, you still listen to it for the next 10, 20, 30 years. Give me millions of streams that I get paid for so that I can buy more equipment <laughs> to make, right. make more songs. This, you know, everything that we make off of Spotify and everything is all reinvested straight back in into our home studio here. Absolutely. So and our, our home studio is not just audio production. It's video production, photography. We haven't been unveiling all the capabilities of our studio yet to people as we're just now relaunching the band, but we have all kinds of things planned and coming up and uh, we're kind of working that format out and figuring out, okay, every new song, it's got a music video. There's the, obviously the behind the scenes footage, but what else, you know, we need to do some pictures with the lyrics you know from part of the song put in there and make that a post and put it on instagram and 
and Twitter. And so we're figuring out all that stuff as we're relaunching the band. Cause I've, I've been off social media for a long time. Yeah. I don't know about you. Well, yeah, I do. I haven't you haven't been on social media. <laughs> <laughs> not like you, John, we're not doing podcasts like every day. Right. Okay? Monday through Friday. I don't do weekends anymore. I used to do weekends, but you know, I'm, I have a fiance and everything too, so I try to gear towards everything with her and stuff like that. So this yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. Appreciate that, guys. And you know, I know that you also have a baby now though, too, Zach. I know that you have a child of your own since the last time we talked. Congratulations on that. I never got to tell you face to face. So I just want to tell you congratulations on that. But yeah, I can actually relate to that though, whenever especially with the stuff with Spotify and marketing and stuff like that. Because even with me, I try to look out for sponsors that are good for my my channel and everything that I get from that is being reinvested into the podcast. Or it could be invested into somewhere else that I know that could actually be used. So in the matter of fact, my main goal is to actually pay my co-host. And take care of them first before I take care of myself. Okay, so yeah. that that's the main main thing. But you know, I can relate to y'all because of the fact that it takes a lot of energy, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears to do what we're doing. Because I'm an indie podcaster, I don't get paid to do what I'm doing. I take a time out of my night to do a show, and hopefully, people will like it. If not, hey, it's okay. I still love what I'm doing. I'm still gonna. Okay, if I have one bad day at the office, I'll just go ahead and shrug that off and go back to doing the same thing the next day. Uh, but, you know, it's just all about keep on um, making content and trying to be getting better at making content. Because if you don't uh, learn from one mistake, you're just repeating the same cycle over and over again, hoping that something will change. Because repeating the same thing over again is nothing but chaos. Right. And expecting and getting the same result. But I respect what you guys do, though. I mean, I saw you guys out on st- out in concert before. I saw you guys twice. I missed you guys over at uh, when you were at golf uh, at the music festival last time. Yeah. But every single chance I get, I try to come out to your show and everything, Joel's shows, and support indie uh, artists because that's my big thing too. Not only do I support indie directors and stuff like that, but I also support indie music. Because people don't realize it's like, okay, why are you going to have indie music uh, guitar players or indie music people? Well, because of the fact music can also be amplified into music, into movies oh, as it's, well. It, it's yeah. what sets the emotional tone for the movie. Exactly. Yeah. You, you don't just get emotions from just pictures of people you don't know alone. Like, right. you got to set music to that. And now you're like, okay, yeah, this is. It, I mean, I, I really believe that. Like, you know, movies don't exist without audio, but uh, but audio exists without movies. Right. <laughs> but, you know, another thing, too, is when you were mentioning, too, with just releasing one track at a time, it also allows you guys not to be burnt out with trying to struggle with anything, oh, though, too. I don't know about <laughs> that. <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay. I- <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm trying, we're trying the best we are, we can, but the truth is we're, you know, like I said, we're, we're fully independent, just like you, we're, we're homegrown, we're underground, whatever you want to call it, wherever you want to place it, that's where we are, and we read the comments on like our YouTube channels, like, oh man, I can't believe this band's not more famous, like, we can't either, we, we want to, 
I'm kidding. But, uh, you know, we're, we're doing everything we can, but we're still, we are still working jobs to supplement, you know, our incomes with the band and everything. And, and it's a hard road. We, I'd love to like, sit all day, every day and focus on just, music. Yeah. Focus on wildfire, and, you know, booking shows. And then I'd love to <laughs> hire out graphic artists constantly, all these new t-shirt designs, but you know, t-shirt design orders a thousand dollars and the design costs money and it's all money and time. And so we are more than ever putting our time towards this. Uh, I will say we, you know, wildfire went on a, like a, a hiatus for a couple of years and it was, it was, you know, our guitar player at the time quit. And then from there, our bass player, he didn't quit for a while. He just didn't come to rehearsal for like a year. Oh, wow. And then I, I, I was like, okay, man, I, you know, I, I think I'm going to uh, find somebody else. Then. And it was no, no, uh, no harm, you know, no, we're still great friends. He's got more kids now. We, we did this together for a long time. And, uh, and so that I'm talking about Tyler Voss. We're, we're okay. still good friends. And now Landon Alexander is our bass player. Uh, and we're really excited about that, and we hope that uh, hope Tyler will come out and give us the nod of approval at a show here soon, uh, so everybody knows, you know, it's, it's cool. Right? Right. <laughs> no, but and then Cameron came back. I mean, every I'm telling you, everybody left, and it was me sitting at home writing Big Trouble. The what I had a version of the band with, you know, with uh, our, our guitar player at the time, Wade Segu, came in. And uh, COVID happened and he lived in Baton Rouge and, you know, he didn't feel comfortable driving this way. And I understood. And I, I knew I had to get to work though. It's like, I, so I was landscaping. I didn't have, I didn't have to like stop doing anything. Cause I, I didn't go into contact with anyone. I'm just like by myself cutting grass all day. So, so when this pandemic hit, I was like, this is a cultural phenomenon. It's like, this is going to be a pop culture thing 20 years from now. I'm going to stay home too. Like Everyone else is doing it. I'm just going to stay home. I sat right. home and uh, wrote the original version of Big Trouble. I was uh, right when uh, the original musical arrangement that I went through and uh, wrote lyrics to at a later date. Let's change How long did it take you to write? Um, which part? <laughs> the lyrics <laughs> or the music? Because uh, well, I don't, I don't tend to do them together. I, right. You know. I kind of figured that because most people just go on ahead. They write either the music first, or they write the lyrics last, or they write the lyrics first and then they write the music last. So, what's I, your process when you were you're going through it? Okay, here's it's crazy. I write the lyric. No, I'm sorry. I write the music. Then I write the lyrics. That means I have to rewrite the music. And then after I do that, I rewrite the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty much how it goes because I'm, it's, it's kind of like drafting. Like I got a rough yeah. draft and then, okay, now I put some lyrics together, but I have a different I can like I don't. It doesn't bother me to write something that doesn't match the music, because I can hear like, oh no, I'm changing that. I, I want this chord to be different for the chorus, so I'm gonna I'm gonna change that and go through it. And then it, it just it's like I said, that's the process for me. 
Uh, but the lyrics for Big Trouble, I think I had – oh, I, no, I definitely had nothing. And I was driving right the car. I drove all the way to Wisconsin from Mobile, Alabama. Um, so I, it was like 1,100 miles, I think, to work my destination. And 13-hour – I don't remember how many hours. Maybe it was more than that. Uh, but anyways, I stopped in a hotel, you know, halfway through. And so it took me two days of driving to get there, got there. And I rode with, I only listened to my demo that I had written the music to the whole way there. There was a, there was a problem with it musically that really hindered me writing the, uh, the lyrics. And so I was in the, uh, I was in the studio parking lot waiting on the producer to get there. And I had the, I had one of the other songs I was recording. So we already did record more than Big Trouble. It's just not you know we're not ready to get to that one yet uh but so i started by recording that song and it's called you got me it'll be coming out soon okay and i was basically uh I, I was like i don't have anything i don't have big troubles and we had the title but i didn't know what it like was and uh so i i finally it just clicked in the parking lot like i had this is the last day i have to finish it today or i go home empty-handed with one song and I'm supposed to be finishing three. So I only got two. So, but that's better than <laughs> Exactly. Think of the glass half empty kind of thing. Right. Exactly. But you know, how did you and Landon meet up though? When were you looking for a bassist and you're wondering, okay, how is this going to work? I'm by myself now. I'm writing my songs. I have, uh, it's just me. Am I going to be a solo artist or am I going to go ahead and still continue with wildfire? What's, what's the deal? I think I would think you should tell him how we met, and I'm curious if you're gonna tell the same story we always tell. Are we going way back? Oh, we're going we're way going back. back. Yes, <laughs> yeah. So I met Zach when I was we were probably 12 years old, I think. We yeah. we our first conversation was about uh, I was really into a band called Good Charlotte at the time, and I was mm. under the impression that Good Charlotte was punk rock. So I met Zach, and, and one of our first conversations was Zach passionately explaining to me that Good Charlotte was not punk rock. And, uh, yeah, after that, <laughs> a weird friendship happened, and we've been, we've been friends ever since. So, I, um, yeah, I'm the last, you know, joining member. But you were in my first band. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were in the, uh, the First band that we ever played. We had a lot of names us. for that band. Translucent. Thrills for the Innocent. Uh, <laughs> I don't think none of those ever stuck. Right? No, they no, we always we changed it like every week. It was like fun. <laughs> it, it became a joke. My family would call me like, you know, uh, hey, uh, what's the name of the band this week? <laughs> and it was constantly, you know, it was like it was never the same. So like, oh ha, it was, ha ha. Did you rename the band yet? No. <laughs> I can see people trying to put, book you guys. Okay, so what are you guys? And all of a sudden on the drum set, it's a different name than what they, they booked you for. It's like, I can see, what the hell's going on over here? That happened at Wildfire's <laughs> first show, though. It was the day Villain was released. It was, I'll never forget. Remember, remember the 5th of November, 2015. That was the day that we decided we were gonna not be gonna be Catharsis anymore. We released a song under the title Wildfire. And when we got to the show, we the, the billboard said Catharsis, 
and Wildfire played the show instead. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. It was exactly the same show <laughs> with one new song, but we had decided to change the band name. It, I, I think Wildfire works out better, to be honest with you. It just has that tip-of-the-tongue type of thing versus Catrocyst. I I think that Wildfire is a lot smoother going going in, to be honest. See that, Okay, so and I agree, and that's where we came from, changing the name, uh, because people couldn't say it right. We, were, we had a single from Catrocyst on FM radio. But I'm telling you, if you knew how to spell it, you'd find us every time, and you wouldn't find anything but content related to us. I mean, try Googling a wildfire, bro. You know, you're, you're, we're, we're going to be down that page a while unless you put in That's a true. song title with it. Or band, or wildfire ba- band. band. Right. And, yeah, then there's now there's these little girls from Texas. I'm just, they're not little girls anymore. I've been saying this for seven years. They're, they're, like, they're like, I think they're 22. They're calling themselves wildfire. Um uh, We've never messed with them about it, even though we've been out doing it for a lot long, not a lot longer, but we, we were on the scene for a couple years before they came out. Um, and I think they just int- intended to just like smother us by getting views and stuff or something, but uh, they didn't count on our song villain getting 30 million streams across YouTube. Congratulations on that, by the way. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. Because what I did was, whenever I first heard you at Crest Live and everything, I told my friend Rick, because I also help out with a Joker page on Facebook as well. Uh-huh. And I told Rick, I said, dude, you need to hear Wildfire. He goes, what's that? I said, that's a, that's an indie band that you need to take a look at. So I sent him the video, the lyric video for Villain. He fell in love with it because he's a huge Joker fan, but I know the song itself is not about the Joker itself, and I know how you got the idea of, of that because of Megamind, because yeah. of Megamind, and yeah, so I, I think I yeah. said that on the last podcast. Didn't yeah. we talked about yeah. it. It's amazing that I remember that far back, though. <laughs> no one has a clue that I really wrote the song about Will Ferrell. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine meeting him though in real life? I wrote a song about you. What? <laughs> no, no, <it> really. <laughs> well, about a character he played, but right. still. Right. Um, I mean, I don't know. The, you know, the song in the writing process, sometimes it, it takes shape with an idea and then it just kind of evolves. Balls. Sometimes I, yeah, sometimes I, I re-look at what I'm looking at and I go, this, you know, this is what I wrote it about. But now looking at it, it really feels like something else. Something else. Yeah. And and then I, I kind of probably finished writing the last couple lines in a way that, filled it in and made it very Joker-ish, I guess. Because I felt that theme in it, too, but that's just not how I got there. Right. Uh, but my favorite lyric, though, from with the chorus for uh, for this song, though, for Big Trouble is, don't know if I'm insane, but there might be a screw loose in my brain. Hey, shout it out if you feel the same way. I'm out of my mind. It's okay because I'm having a great time. Hey, shout it out. If you feel the same way, that's actually one of my favorite lyrics. And the course is actually one of my favorite lyrics in this thing. And of course, I smashed my favorite guitar because I lost all my picks. I like that one too, though. I wrote that about him. <laughs> <laughs> so I wrote it about all the crazy people in my life, including myself. And some of you know, 
it's all the closest people to me <laughs> over the last 10 or 15 years. You're all there somewhere or another. <laughs> but, you know, when we were kids, you used to break your I skateboard. A, yeah, I had a bit of an anger problem when I was younger when it came to a skateboard, for sure. Now he breaks his bases and it's like thousands of dollars. I and keep losing all my picks, man. We're in debt up to our eyeballs <laughs> for new bass guitars. Sweet. Here's the thing, though. I used to play guitar and everything back in high school, though, too. I used to, we were going to actually be called Twisted Illusions was going to be our band. Okay. And it was going to be like this heavy kind of Led Zeppelin kind of vibe mixed with a little bit of Metallica mixed with Ozzy a little. And, you know, then all of a sudden I was like, you know what? I don't want to do this. I'm like, we didn't even start yet. I have my guitar and everything. So I just started doing my own thing. But I also skateboarded. Uh, I had a zero board. I, I could actually relate to y'all, though, in a big way with that. Uh, with breaking, uh, of course, breaking the skateboards and things like that. I still have my uh, guitar still. And sometimes I'll strum on it, but not as much as I used to. But this is pretty much my passion project right here. I just like to talk shit. That's it. That's my talent. <laughs> yeah, right. We're we're the best at that. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you about it. <laughs> but when I think of something. <laughs> but you know what, though, guys. I mean, you guys are really great at what you guys are doing. You guys hey, appreciate it. Are, you're very welcome because seriously, I can feel the passion in you in your songs and your lyrics and stuff like that. Especially how you guys take your time to develop the song. And it's just not rushed out there because sometimes I can actually tell if a song is rushed. Right. Things like that, especially an album that I've been waiting on. And I'm like, what the hell? This is just not what I was expecting. <laughs> and that's always a disappointment. That's one we want to avoid. And we know right. that we also know that people have been begging and waiting for a long time for us to put out something that's not acoustic, you know, and heavy. They they want the heavy back. Um, and I guess in some ways I can see how like our career over 10 years seemed like it just got lighter and lighter and lighter, but we're going to fix that one soon. <laughs> you know, we're working on some stuff and, uh, I mean, that's come in. Uh, ultimately we're in, we're a new wildfire. We have new guitar players and everything, you know, everything's new now. It's a different sound. It's, we like it. <laughs> Well, that's great, man. <laughs> Thank you. But uh, in case anybody's wondering, though, if you guys want to listen to the audio podcast tomorrow morning, I'm going to be putting in uh, their song, Big Trouble. I'm not going to play it on YouTube because YouTube will probably wind up uh, banning me or something like that. Because I remember I was trying to do a Stranger Things reaction to the first eight minutes, uh -huh. and they cut my stream off. Oh, wow. I'm like, this sucks. I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah, maybe you could throw a link in the comments for the uh, for the for the subscribers and listeners uh, to check out the video. Yeah, I'll do that right now. Let's oh, cool. Yep, I'm, because I was actually listening to your song before. I didn't, well, I don't want them to leave the live stream. <laughs> no, nah. it's a two for one. They'll come back to it <laughs> if, they, if they want to. But still, dude, I'm. I'm really thrilled for what you guys have in store for us as fans and also to the passion that you guys have with what you guys are doing. You guys are going to be rocking out until you guys are old. I'm not, like old and great. I'm just going to say that. 
I mean, I'm I'm older than you think. <laughs> I'm halfway there at least. Well, I'm 37, so there no, you go. I'm just joking. I'm not that old, but. <laughs> Gee, thanks. Now I'm ancient. With a few cracks, no, and now I'm haunted. Off you. <laughs> I'm 33 this year. Oh. Lost the sound. <clears throat> it's all right, a little technical difficulty. This is what happens on live stream sometimes. It's all right. Uh, there you go. What happened. I don't know. All of a sudden, it just winded up just cutting down. It's like, okay, it's pretty much StreamYard is like, you know what? We talked enough. That's it. I'm done. That is last time when the call just got dropped and we were on Anchor app and like there was no way to log back in. Oh, wait. No, we did. We just had to make a whole other podcast a part right. two. Right. As a matter of fact, I named it part one, but you never came back for part two. So uh, at least. Because I'm like, uh, this one's part two, right? Because I was like, Zach, Zach, and that's like the end. This is before I learned how to edit. So oh. basically, at the very end, you can hear me say Zach, Zach, and then all of a sudden, just cuts off. But to be honest with you, Anchor is a good platform if you're just starting out with podcasting with your phone. But it's horrible with distortion and everything else. I'm so glad that I'm not sitting in 100 degrees uh, in my car sweating my balls off anymore. And now I have now I have this now, this setup. So I'm much happier than where I was back when I was first starting out. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. And that was Thanks. just an audio. That was audio. And it was one of your – I don't know exactly what number episode it was, but it was one of your first ones, I think. I was probably like four, maybe five, somewhere in that area, because I actually interviewed an indie uh, director from Alabama at, right after you. And then after that, it just started picking up with the audio only stuff. And then I converted this into video a year later. Yeah. So you've been doing the video thing for a couple of years now. About a year, to be honest with you. Um, by now, the audio podcast is going to be turning four years old in two, in July. So I've been doing this for about four years, trying to get everything up. Yeah, I know. You told me it had been over three years since our last one, and I was like, what? I didn't... Wow. Yep. COVID, really? I don't know. I'd like, I feel like I'm just now counting time again. Like, all that just never happened. Right, but because even with COVID – well, get this though, even with COVID, 2019 in July, I started the podcast, and then I'm doing movie news, I'm doing new reviews, and then all of a sudden COVID happens. I'm like, now I have to reprogram myself and be like, okay, what can I do now that, that there's no news? What can I do now since there's no movie uh, reviews coming out? So, what do I do? I go ahead, go back to my old catalog of movies and start reviewing old films, and then I reviewed Tiger King for some godly reason, and then I reviewed the, all four Twilight movies and did a three-hour-long podcast of me ranting. So, <laughs> so, 
So, you know, it's all it's all fun, though. I, I enjoyed uh, the progress of where I'm at now. And also, too, I know how to edit my audio stuff and my video stuff now. So, right. you know, I'm just now starting to do the uh, video stuff because uh, it's been about a month now since I started doing my own video editing with Moon Knight was my first uh, experience with that and staying up to one o'clock in the morning to edit. Oh, I love Moon Knight. Moon Knight was awesome. It was so cool. Yeah, I, I dug it. I I watch everything, but I I forget it. If I don't watch it, like I had to watch Big Trouble today. Big Trouble in Little China. I watched. It I watched today. it today. <laughs> I tried watching it a couple days ago. I've been trying to watch it for a week for real, and then uh, then finally my kid went home this afternoon. We we watched it all again. But if Ask me about it next week, and I, I can't. I won't be able to remember Jack Burton's name anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I am, though, with most stuff, though, too, because I have a horrible memory now. Like I tell my co-host Charlie, who's like he's twenty something years old, I was like, I envy you. He goes, Why? I said, You have a memory of all these quotes and everything, and I can't remember my name half the time now. <laughs> yeah. I so, what's What's worse is watching Netflix. I, I like I get to like the climax of a movie, and that's when I realize I've seen it because I know what's about <laughs> to happen, and then I know like exactly the scene. Like this is gonna do this, but I don't actually remember it. Right. Just like ruined. But what do you got? Itself. But what are you guys watching now? Anyways, I mean, are you guys watching any TV shows or anything like that, or just movies in general? We're wanting to get yeah, wanting to get into Stranger Things, the new the new season. I watched the first episode and I'm liking it so far. That you you know they kind of taken it to a little bit of a different direction, but that and then we watched that um that documentary called uh, Our Father. Yeah, I'm just pissed Billy's not in Stranger. Well, there's Things. like a new Billy, but I don't want the new Billy. I want the old <laughs> Billy. Billy was my favorite. He's gone. <laughs> <first eyes>. like. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I've been I binge watched all of Stranger Things so that way I could do the review from for last night. Mm-hmm. And I was doing Russian accents and stoner accent uh, impressions last night. But um, but yeah, we went. Uh, I went on ahead, talked about the new Stranger Things season. Uh, to be honest with you, it's actually hard for me to watch a TV show and be invested into a TV show because it has to hold my attention. And if the, that attention is not there, mm-hmm. you're just going to lose me within the first episode or whatever if it doesn't hold me. Now, with uh, Tokyo Vice, I winded up loving that show, and I watched two episodes of it so far. And then the new Obi-Wan uh, TV show just came out, and I liked the first two Where episodes from that. Vice? Where is that at? Where do you watch Tokyo Vice? HBO Max. Okay. I I haven't heard of that yet. Yeah. I'll give you a little bit of a breakdown on what it's about. Maybe it might be something that you're interested in. But the actor from Baby Driver's in it. And he's he's a great actor. And basically, it takes place in 1999. And he's in Tokyo to become a news reporter. Mm -hmm. Because he doesn't want to live in Kansas or anything where he's from. So basically, he winds up taking this test. He winds up not answering three of his questions, but he still winds up getting the job. And everybody looks at him as an outsider. They call him a foreigner rather than calling him, uh, respecting him or anything like that. And also, too, in Japanese, 
uh, the way that the police, uh, it also deals with the Yakuza. It also deals with the Jap Japanese Yakuza. And then, of course, within police reports themselves, the news reporters can't say, oh, uh, you know, someone died today because they got stabbed six times. They have, In order for them to report that, it has to be sealed in the document that the police officer put into it. So let's say, for instance, there's stab wounds. All he can say is there was multiple stab wounds. That was it. They can't say the person died or anything unless it's in the police report itself. Oh. So he gets in trouble for that. It, it's it's really a good deep show. It's a slow burn, but it's well worth it. Okay, sounds cool. I'll check it out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we just finished watching Righteous Gemstones. How is that? I didn't I didn't see that one. Depends on who you ask. I'm sure. <laughs> I thought it was amazing. Uh, they had John Goodman and uh, Danny McBride. Mm -hmm. A, a lot of good, really funny people were in that were in that show, but it's about uh, it's about this you know Christian family who has a mega church and a television show and all that, and they're you know they're just corrupt and it's all it's a it's really funny and hits home unbelievably <laughs> well just you know just from what I've seen and experienced in some ways for real. I've seen I've seen churches that operate like that, and it's you have to see it. It's it's amazing. It's okay. got Danny McBride's best stuff <laughs> I've ever seen, and I and I'm a fan for sure. All right, well, guys, that's gonna be it as far as the show goes and everything. I do appreciate you guys talking for an hour of just us talking about uh little you know talking about big trouble in little china just shooting the shit it was fun uh, it was also nice meeting you landon i just wanted to say that too yeah you as well man you as well john yeah great to see you again john great seeing you too don't be a stranger or anything don't be four five years later where it's like <laughs> we're part three now <laughs> right well, um, we'll get back on soon i also wanted to ask you how you felt about uh dual posting this on our on our youtube channel as well yeah, uh, what I'll do is I'll send you out. I have to ask this question. <laughs> <laughs> How about this? We'll just end it right here, and I'll tell you. I'll tell you, yay or nay. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so guys, that's gonna do it for me for tonight. I hope you guys have a great and safe night. Don't forget, tomorrow night is our Obi Wan season one episode three review. I'm gonna have my co-host Alex back again. He's going to be on here with me, of course. Uh, then I also have some other guests coming on. So it's going to be, oh, yeah, independent director Clinton Robinson is going to be with me. So go ahead and join us at 9 o'clock Central Time, 10 o'clock Eastern, 6, and 7 o'clock p.m. Pacific Time for that. And always until next time, guys, it's been real. It's been fun. And have a good day.